you know, Seal. I don't find it amusing that you take every opportunity to converse in sign language with hearing-impaired people. And I'm not amused by your choice of theme events for us to go to. Lithuanian night at the local church, or that 1950s McCarthy hearing evening, the one where I had to go as Alger Hiss and was excoriated by someone dressed as Roy Cohn. And your endless religious conversions and enthusiastic attempts to proselytize. And your large number of cousins in manual trades. I'm not interested in Albert, who trained for years to be a nuclear physicist and ended up a token taker on the Triborough. Or your cousin Blaine, who flunked out of medical school in six hours. At first I thought it was a sign of education, but then I found myself becoming annoyed at your use of that and which. You would say, that which, when either that or which would do. Then when you began to say, and plus, I can't stand people who say, and plus, and plus that which I was talking about. I hate that seal. I'll never forget that discussion of dialectical materialism, how you interrupted Professor Saunders with the revelation that dog spelled backwards is God. You embarrass yourself. And me. And I hate the way you leave grit in the Vaseline jar. The way you fake orgasm. Especially when we're having dinner with my parents. I hate the wet spot you leave on the kitchen stool. The way you start arguments in the elevator of our building, our neighbors falling silent, pretending not to hear, looking at their shoes, crimson-faced. I despise the way you turn around and walk away when I'm talking. And I can't stand the lingering smell of Listerine and tobacco on the mouthpiece of our telephone. And your pretentious film school friends endlessly talking about tracking shots and flatbed editing machines and the rite-of-passage parties you insist on attending, bar mitzvahs, christenings, maimings, housewarmings. Why do you wear sandals when you know your toes are too long and hairy? And I'll never forget the time that motorist in front of us, gun-drawn, face livid with rage, approached and shot out the windshield of our Ford Pinto simply because of your erratic driving and the time you defecated in the bidet on our first night in Paris and our frantic efforts to clean up the mess before the maid arrived. I hate the way you serve fish with bones. I remember the time Wallstein and Feinberg came to dinner and I sat there wide-eyed with horror as both of them, unable to speak, grasped their throats and rose from the table, staggering toward the bathroom, Feinberg spending a horrifying night in the emergency room, while Wallstein, able to disgorge the fishbone himself, numbly thanked us and fled down the stairway, not waiting for the elevator. And why? Just why did you show nude photos of yourself to Father Patrick, who came to visit us after the death of his wife? What's the matter with you, Seal? And the constant probing of your ear with your little finger, followed by a visual inspection of the contents extracted. I despise and hate you, Seal. The way you'll lean back in your chair in a restaurant, tipping backwards, fall over and kick the table over turning it on me, drawing the attention of all the other diners, humiliating me in public. God, what a bitch you are. Bad-mouthing me to the elevator man when you left our apartment after an argument, and calling my broker and telling him I was dead and he should liquidate my account, and putting poison ivy in my salad. That wasn't funny. Took a while to get over that the large piece of sodium at the bottom of the bathtub, which burst into an enormous blue flame when I took my morning shower, was not amusing either. 
You go too far, Seal. You have no sense of when to stop. I hope you break a heel on your way to an appointment. I hope your pictures never get developed. I hope you leave your briefcase in a taxi. I hope your pen pal from Sri Lanka, upon finally meeting you, makes an excuse and departs early in the evening. I hope your milk is sour, your meat is rotten, there's a worm in your apple, no peas in your pod. I hope your car blows a head gasket and the last gas station is closed. I hope you run out of toilet paper. I hope you fall into a deep stupor while driving on a highway at night. I hope your fondest dreams never come true. I hope you give birth to a monster. I hope one of your eyes closes and swells enormously during a crucial business meeting. I hope you reach menopause again and again and again. I hope you get crabs and keep them. I hope your vacuum cleaner blows out and you swing slowly in the wind. I hope you agonize over your worst years as a teenager, awkward, gawky, rejected, self-hating. I hope your most precious moments are snatched from you just before the point of fulfillment. I hope your next pregnancy never ends. I hope you get a toothache on the airplane. I hope you suffer a lingering agony. I hope you're audited indefinitely by the IRS. I hope you receive non-stop, obscene, psychotic phone calls directly into your brain. I hope when you go to the bathroom, half of your internal organs are flushed into the city's sanitary system. I hope you become obscenely, uproariously fat, from which there would be no dietary retreat. I wish you to become lodged between the doorposts at the entranceway of your house, emergency service people coming to remove you with a crane. I want you to get Alzheimer's disease at an early age. I want you to have a filthy, festering, pustulating skin disorder. I imagine you covered with sweet syrup, staked to an anthill. I pray for maggots in your meatballs, for mealyworms in your morning mush. I hope you get a paper cut, that your stocks fail, your retirement fund is looted, the wind whistles through the cracks in your window, you've bought the wrong tool, the instructions are in Japanese, you're condemned forever to listen to the same Don Ho record, your favorite show is canceled and you're unable to get cable, your license expires, your credit card is revoked, they forget you at your favorite bar. And when the aliens come, they take only you. You barnyard rut. I want to be the author of your agony, forever the torturer, the laugher at your suffering, he who rubs his hands in glee as you writhe in agony, twisting slowly on the rusty hook of my fantasies. I stomp on your fingertips as they clutch the end of a windowsill on the outside of a building, traffic passing below. I push you in a raging sea, from the side of the lifeboat. I eat food in front of you as you starve to death. I stand on your air pipe in the hospital. I slip antifreeze into your IV drip. I put sand in your gas tank and bug spray in your feminine deodorant seal. Da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da
seal. In it, I come home, remove my coat, slip out of my pants while you're still in the shower, and in a pair of undershorts, recline on the bed, smoking a cigarette, lazily watching the smoke rings crash against the ceiling. But when you come out of the shower seal, something is wrong. Maybe your hair is too wet, or you didn't exercise enough that week, or maybe it's the garlic bread you had with lunch. I can't really put my finger on it. I grasp your wrist and draw you to the bed. You cry out, pulling back. I'm sorry, I say. I didn't realize I grabbed your wrist so hard. It's nothing, you say, and reach for my cigarette. You draw to your lips, inhale deeply, then flick an ash onto my thigh. I flinch, reach behind your head, and draw your face towards me. My teeth compress your upper lip until you pull back, screaming my name. I'm sorry, I say. We lie down. For a thousand times you playfully nibbled my ear. Yet tonight you appear to be eating my ear, grinding it between your teeth. I scream, Seal! My passion inflamed, I spin you around and, in doing so, you catch the side of your shoulder on the edge of the dresser drawers and cry out in pain. I throw you to the mattress and leap upon you, but, in the meantime, clutching your shoulder, you deftly roll off the bed so that my head smashes against the bedpost. Now you've gone to your ex-husband's tool cabinet and removed a crowbar. You grasp it in your hand and with a perfect level swing, you kill me with a single blow on the left temple knocking my glasses on the floor. Then, your hands shaking, your shoulder aching, your eyes welling with tears, you walk to the telephone and call Maxine, your girlfriend. Maxine asks you to go over and put a knife blade below my nose to see if there's any breath. You go to the kitchen and draw from the cupboard a huge carving knife with a razor edge, and hands trembling, you cause a deep cut in my upper lip. I flinch, my eyes open, Yet I'm unable to speak. The blow to my head has robbed me of the power of speech. Lying on my left side, twitching slightly, a green fluid flows from one of my ears. My nostrils make a whistling and wheezing sound. My eyes roll uncontrollably, now thrashing about on the floor, now standing up against a wall, now breaking a window, now slamming a door, now overturning a table. I groan at the top of my voice. Terrified, Still grasping the crowbar, you attempt to deliver a lethal blow. I duck. The crowbar slips from your hand and sails through the exploding window pane, clanging uselessly on the street below. Then there's a pounding on the door. The telephone begins to ring. I hear sirens. The top of a ladder touches the window sill. A man in a SWAT team costume appears. The room fills with tear gas. You black out. When you awaken, you're on a stretcher being carried out in the street. The ambulance attendants place the stretcher on the ground. One of them casually lights a cigarette. The other one is talking to me. I'm asking about different forms of medical insurance. Will they take a charge plate? Do I have to go to the hospital? Can I phone in your room order? Do they follow the dietary laws? 
Have they seen any good movies lately? Have they heard the one about the salesman's daughter? I look very suave, my hair slicked back, wearing silk pajamas, holding a long and graceful pipe stem from whose bowl floats a fragrant and expensive blend. In my other hand, I hold a gilt-edged notebook. I draw a pen from my breast pocket and describe in my notebook the medical disorder from which you suffer as you lie bleeding on the ambulance litter, crumpled like an old doll. The sounds of the night, the phase of the moon, the apparent speed of passing vehicles, the number of pedestrians per minute, the out-of-state license plates passing by, the asymmetry of the window shades being drawn and not drawn in the apartment building across the street, and I make a note to call the gardener tomorrow morning to have the fruit trees removed from in front of the house.